As we prepare to encounter God's word, let us begin with prayer. Merciful God, as we open this ancient text that's living and active, may it speak to us, to our hearts, this first Sunday of Lent. Amen. Our first lesson from the Psalter is from Psalm 91. You will recognize it from that hymn that is sung so often, particularly at funerals. Um, here now is of God as protector from demonic foes. Psalm 91. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the Most High your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, no scourge come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you and guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder and the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. For those who love me, I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. And when they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them with long life. I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. The word of the Lord. And from the Gospel lesson of St. Luke, this first Sunday of Lent is always about the temptation of Jesus. He was just newly baptized and 30 years of age and still wet from the Jordan River and the Spirit leads him into the wilderness. He's facing temptation. He's vulnerable. Perhaps he's lonely. He's hungry. Hear the words. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become a loaf of bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will be yours. And Jesus answered him, Now it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on a pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is said, do not put the Lord our God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. 
The word of the Lord. You know, there seems to be times when we all get ourselves into situations that we didn't ask for and that we didn't expect. And I think our text today, we find Jesus in just that place. He did not ask for this. He did not expect it. Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. But while he was there, he was tempted by the devil, Diabolos, the tempter. And Jesus there encounters this real force in the universe we call evil. Now, perhaps you don't personify that force. I do not. And you may not use the name Satan, or you may. Or whether you use a different language call it, saying it's powers and principalities of this world. The reality is that we cannot get away and we cannot understand fully that there is an operative in us and among us and in this world beyond us that opposes everything that Christ stood for, love and compassion and wholeness and peace. There is evil in this world. Let us pray. Lord, save us from the time of trial. Lead us not into temptation. Amen. I ask you to think about yourself. Think about all the good intentions you come up with, not just during Lent, but always, that you want to be kind and more patient or more loving to someone in your life that can be rather trying, in other words, someone who's a real pain. How many times do you succeed and how many times do you fail at those good thoughts and those kind words? How regularly do you do or say things that perhaps you should not? Yes, there is another player on the field of our heart messing with our best intentions, at least with mine. And there's another player in the field in this world. Just think of television and the overload of violence and darkness that we see day after day bombarding our hearts. We read about a Chris Watt who woke up one morning and decided he wanted to kill his wife and two children. And you think about bitterness that divides families and, and friends. You wonder how such evil can happen and how do we get so immune? as we watch it over and over. Recently, um, I read about a company that will take your photo and erase any person out of the photo. It, you, it can subtract for $119, they'll take the person out. My daughter was laughing and she says, I wonder how many wedding albums will have just the bride. <laughs> just this past week, the former fire chief in Sioux Falls was sentenced on charges of child pornography. And I just have agonized as I have hurt over this situation because I know that man. I have respected his leadership for years. And to realize he was leading some kind of a double life, 
a life that those children, it was the worst day of their lives because of his lust. He was leading a double life. No, we don't have to look at the R. Kelly's or the Robert Crafts of the world to see some who are leading double lives, have a private persona and a public persona. And we can also look around and there is systemic evil and our complicity in allowing it to happen. And I think of, you know, how many children still die of starvation? They say every four seconds a child dies, 25,000 a day. And, and here we sit, struggling with obesity, and, and it seems like we can't figure this one out. Amazing. There's darkness. Is this fall into the temptation of omission or failure to, to act? You know, today we, we have taken certain hymns out of the hymnal. We don't sing militaristic hymns such as Onward Christian Soldiers, it's not in our hymnal. But I, I look at those words and it says, marching on to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ the loyal royal master leads against the foe, forward into battle, see the banner go. You know, I can see because of the militaristic overtones, we don't sing that. It is not in our hymnal. But we also realize, you know, there is a battle, at least in my soul. There is a battle between God's ways and our ways. And I realize that over time, our character, our values, are constantly being shaped and reshaped by how we respond to the temptations before us. We too can lead a double life as powers of evil tempt us, ever so subtle. For Jesus, every time that the devil offered him more, more bread, more power, more protection, he was able to turn it down. No bread, even though he was hungry. No to the kingdoms of this world, though, though he really wanted to change the world. No to an angelic bodyguard that would protect him. And so we say, well, you know, Jesus had those temptations, and none of us face the temptations of the Son of Man. We don't have that kind of test. We have the regular old Adam and Eve kind of temp temptations that um, I can be tempted when I sit down to an all-you-can-eat buffet or, you know, overdose on certain movies or scenes and become almost addicted to movies that are violent? Or what about tax returns? Do we just look the other way? Also, I, I would guess that at some point or another, every one of us know a bit about wilderness. Your exact wilderness experience may be different, but those experiences were the moral and ethical challenges surround you. And maybe, maybe it looks different when you are discouraged, tired, worn out, hungry, but you understand how it feels to be in the wilderness. The place is lonely. It is not of your choosing. 
you find that you may not have a whole lot of control, anything can happen. And some days our challenge is just to hang in there and try not to do something that we really regret. Jesus' challenge came in the person of the devil. Waited till Jesus had a most vulnerable moment. He was famished. He was lonely. He refused to give in. And what he did, he turned to his own religious tradition. He found his strength in scripture and even concluded, do not put the Lord God to a test. You know, I kind of think behind all of those temptations of Jesus and why we question that passage is why was Jesus even tempted in the first place? He was perfect. He should not have had to be tempted. We do, but not him. We are the ones who wallow in the human condition of temptation all the time, but, but not Jesus. But as it turns out, that's exactly what the Son of Man wanted to do. He intended to fully share our humanity. He didn't use his divine privilege to do some miracle. No, he humbled himself. He felt what temptation felt like to the fullest. You might think that, well, you know, those were some good things. The temptation for abundance and power, influence, you know, what could be bad about those things? But Jesus was real clear that he was not a pawn of the devil. But when we find ourselves tempted, we usually don't say, well, I'm not going to be a pawn of the devil. But if we look underneath it, we too can rationalize and say, well, you know, there's some good in all of this. This isn't so bad. One man I was talking to said he understood temptation. He was a, an up-and-coming salesperson for a company and had two children. And the boss called him in on a Friday and said, I'm offering you a promotion. You are now going to be a regional manager, and you're going to make a lot more money, and you're going to influence a lot more people. And he said, you know, thank you, but I'm gone four nights a week the way it is. I have a young family. I cannot do that. And the boss came back and said, we're doing this for your family, young man. Don't you realize this is a promotion for you and for your family? And he walked away and he said, now that's temptation. When you hear the voice in the wilderness, it may actually be the place of your greatest blessing. It is in the wilderness where you discover what you're really made of, where you realize down deep that the worst thing in the world is is not getting what you want. Losing your soul is much worse. So as we're now in the season of Lent, some refer to this as Lent as the season of spring. Well, I'm not seeing any crocuses popping up around the snow just yet. But what it means that during Lent, it is springtime for the human soul. One author puts it so well. He said, Lent is when the soul 
is to be pruned by repentance, fertilized with fasting, weeded with self-appraisal, and mulched with prayer. I was old before I learned that Lent was not about just punishing yourself for being human and that it wasn't about just seeing if I could give up chocolate and start on an exercise program. So I don't blame folks who don't do Lent. Remember Jimmy said at Ash Wednesday, it's optional, not biblical. We have a choice here. But I say if you want to grow your soul, it may be worth a try to go into the wilderness for Lent. The study, the Lenten study is excellent meditation and time to enter the wilderness. But also for these next few weeks to consider living on less, practice subtraction rather than addition, not because you're bad, but because you're focusing on who you really want to be. And that's hard when you're used to fast food and busyness all the time. Remember, remember when you used to sit at a stoplight and listen to the radio, and now you sit at a stoplight and you think, who is the next person I can call on the cell phone? Or we could use this wilderness season to intentionally care for our physical world, for this earth that we love, it's God's dwelling place with us and all of its inhabitants. We can recycle styrofoam. We can write a letter, become an advocate. You know, most of us in the busyness of life, and I think that's why Lent pauses, settles us down, causes us to, to maybe enter a little bit of wilderness. Even a little bit of wilderness is good. We have our pacifiers. When we're, we're stressed, or we're hungry, or we're busy, it could be Facebook, and we're at it again, at it again, uh, binging on Game of Thrones. Or those Pottery Barn catalogs, or maybe it's just a Bombay Sapphire Gin Martini, or Mountain Dew. You know, in and of themselves, they're not bad, but they can become distractions, especially when we're tired, sad, afraid to enter the wilderness. So with some intentionality the next 40 days, can we fast from some distractions in your life? Think about what is it that you can fast from. Enter the wilderness with courage and with hope. Paul Tillich wrote in his book, The Courage to Be, that there's a spiritual gift in the wilderness and it can give you courage to be. Courage to say no to those things that will destroy and courage to live as a child of God. We may battle daily, but we never battle alone. Amen. <laughs>